0: So I thought it would be super fun this morning. Um, for those of you who know Joe, you know, might know today is his birthday. And so what I thought would be really fun, and I sort of kind of checked this with his wife, is if we all got on our phones and texted him all at once, happy birthday this morning. And you might think, I don't have his number. I'm going to give you his number. So if you would, get out your phones. It's gonna be, and, and it would be even better, I think, if no one, like if you don't have his number and he doesn't know you, if you don't put your name, so he just gets these random, random texts from a bunch of people. All right, is everyone unlocked? Using all the gifts and confetti and emojis that you can. The number is 419-487-0380. That's 419-487-0380. Yeah, just send it, yeah, yeah, because he's just going to get flooded. No, you don't have to put a one in front of numbers anymore. I know. I'm old, too, Scott. You You can. It doesn't hurt the number, but it doesn't help the number. Oh, that's a good, yeah, comparison. And gifts, right? Did you guys get some good gifts? Like the this is your birthday gift from the office. That's like my favorite one to send with brown balloons. Um, so, so yes, Joe and Alyssa are out of town. They said, you get the microphone for the weekend. So you guys get me this morning. Um, the one thing Joe didn't do before he left town is he didn't give me a topic, which is super fun. And so what I normally do is when I don't have a topic, I just pick whatever I want to. Um, and so I prayed on this. Don't worry. I talked to Jesus. And uh, Jesus laid this word on my heart, and I hope that it's a good word for you this morning. And the word is holy and holiness. And so we're going to dive into what does it mean that God is holy. And when the word was laid on my heart, it felt really weighty because I'm like, that feels real churchy. It feels like a really big church word. Holy does. And so I was like, are you sure, Jesus? Because to me, there's like two perceptions of this idea of holy that um, could really be fed in not a great way. The first perception of church and Christians is um, that we have this ethical, moral, social, behavioral demand that's required of us, and no one can actually reach it, and it's very unappealing. That's why it's a misperception. And so to talk about God being holy can be very off-putting, right, to, like, perpetuate that. So I don't want to do that. And then the other one is just that... um, that you can't have fun when you're a Christian because God is holy and so you are holy. And, and that's why we just got through the Serious Fun series, right? That you can have a great life and, and have a lot of fun following Jesus and all that's well and good. So I wasn't as concerned with that. But Jesus and I went back and forth about this. Of all the things I could talk about, this is what he said you're going to talk about. And I said, are you sure? And he said, trust me. Okay, Jesus. So we're going to dive in there. Because the truth is, God is holy. And if God is holy, and Jesus is God, and we're supposed to become like Jesus when we follow Jesus, we are on a path to holiness, too. And so, we're going to find ourselves in Colossians chapter 3 today. So if you have your Bibles or the Bible app, we'll be in the New International Version, uh, reading through some verses in Colossians chapter 3. Now, I thought I'd start with the standard, what does the word holy mean? Just in case anyone doesn't know, so we're all on the same page. So the word holy means to be set apart— or divine, or sacred, or worthy of worship. And it's been my experience, so I've worked with a lot of different crowds, and teens to adults, all across the board. It's been my experience. No one really has a problem when we talk about the characteristic of holy when it comes to God. Because if we're going to believe in a spiritual being who's all-knowing, and all-powerful, and all-present, right? holy just kind of fits in with that. Of of course he's holy, if he can be all places at all times and all things. The problem comes in in two ways, I found, with the word holy. One is when people claim God is holy for their own self-righteousness and to dismiss someone else or to put them down and to prop themselves up, right? We have a problem with that. Anybody else have a problem? Like, I have a problem with that, and we should. I think we should. That's not okay because it contradicts the other characteristics of God being love and good and just and merciful and grace, and that's not okay. Those can coexist, holy and just and holy and love. And the other problem I think I found with people is they have a struggle with the word holy thinking of themselves on a path towards holiness because we're human and it's hard for us to see ourselves as Jesus sees us. And if we're on a path to holiness, just like Jesus is holy, for us to think on that, like it was hard for me the first time someone says, you will be fully holy one day. And I was like, no. (laughs) Like Jesus can be fully holy. I can be like 97% holy, but like I won't probably be where Jesus is. And they're like, no, he's sanctifying you. Like he's making you holy too. So for me, that that was a thing. And that's where we find ourselves in Colossians 3. Because Paul's going to dive in. With this, no, you are becoming like Christ. You died with Him, and here's what that looks like. So, for those who don't know, I like to give a little backstory on the, what we're reading. Colossians is a letter written by a guy named Paul. Paul is a super great Jew who, like, was a pro at killing Christians. Right? He like murdered hundreds. Super. And uh, then he meets Jesus after Jesus' death and resurrection, and his life is transformed, and then he goes telling the good news of Jesus to all these people in all these towns. So thousands upon thousands of people came to know Jesus because of the message that Paul helped spread. And so he'd go to a town, he'd tell a bunch of people, those who believed, said, hey, we should keep getting together and praising God. And so they became a church. Then he'd go to another town, a bunch of people believed, and they became a church. Then he'd go to another town, and so all the while, Paul's planting these churches, other churches... That he planted prior to the one he's at currently, he'd write letters back to and say, hey, I heard these things are going on, or hey, I think you need reminded of some things, or hey, I'm going to totally chastise you for this crazy shenanigan you're trying to pull over here. And so all throughout the New Testament, you see Paul's writings of these letters, and Colossians is one of those books. And in chapter three, he's talking about what does it mean to live a holy life. So let's pick it up in verse one. He says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. So I'm going to pause because this is a letter for believers. I think that's important to know. A lot of times when we who follow Jesus, and I don't know where everyone is in this room, but but when you say you follow Jesus, sometimes we want people who don't follow Jesus to follow the ways of Jesus when we don't remember they don't follow the same God. So they don't have to follow the same ways. And so Paul makes a distinction here. Hey, you have been raised with Christ. This is for believers. If you're a non-believer, you kind of get a glimpse into what it means to be a believer, but you don't have to follow it. But if you follow Jesus... This is for you. So that's good for us to know starting out. And then he says this Set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So Paul's calling out the difference between things of earth and things of heaven. Now, if you've read any of the biographies of Jesus Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John you know that the kingdom of heaven is the number one thing Jesus talks about. And so to call out the difference between earthly things and kingdom things, that's pretty obvious, right? And so as I was wrestling with this, right, because you're kind of just getting a glimpse into Jesus' and I's conversation the past couple months, I was sitting there going, okay, if this is true, we know this is true, this is kind of like Christianity 101, do I actively think on things of heaven? Do I actively pursue heavenly truths for my heart to dwell in rather than other realities or truths as I believe them or just other misnomers and lies? Is this a lens I constantly use to see the world and to see myself? This is Paul's first instruction in terms of understanding holiness. It's dwelling upon and setting our hearts and our minds on the things of heaven and not of earth. And it's a real, it's a real checkpoint for me. Because he's saying there's a bigger picture, and are you seeing it? Because if we're trying to become like Christ, Christ always saw the bigger picture. And the question is do I? So then we look at verses three and four. Verses three and four say, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. This is that beautiful reminder, and Paul does this throughout his letters, where we are new creations, right? The old us is dead, and the old us stuff is dead, and it gets to die. And when God looks upon us, he sees his son. He sees Jesus saying, this one's like us. This one thinks on things like us. This one dwells on things like us. This one lets our Holy Spirit work within them and live through them. This one's like us. God, this is us. That's who God sees. He doesn't see the old self and the old stuff. Now, notice I didn't say, and we, many of us know this, you're saved through Jesus and your old self dies so that you can do all the right things in just the right order in just the most justifiable ways possible, right? Because oftentimes I worry in, in, in the Christian church today, are we just modifying our behavior? Is this a behavior modification practice? Or are we truly letting a Holy Spirit into our lives, infuse himself into our hearts and our minds and in all things, And when we get to the next part, I call this this out because what Paul's about to say, he does in many of his letters, and many people say, you're just wanting me to change my behavior. And I'm going to argue, no, he wants the Holy Spirit to come and impact us in such a way that our lives look differently. So let's see what he says. Verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature... which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. In this, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. So put it to death. Whatever the earthly thing is, squash it out. And here's why I think this kind of scripture creates a tension in us. Are you ready? This is not gonna come as a surprise, I don't think. We know. We know what in our lives needs to be squashed out and put to death. I lied this week. A little, little self, you know, confession. I lied this week. It was a stupid thing. It was a little lie. It didn't mean anything. It didn't hurt anyone. It wouldn't have hurt anyone for me to say, oh, I just lied about that. It's so stupid. But I did. I lied. And I immediately knew. I immediately knew that was a dumb thing to lie about. And instead of saying, hey, I I need to be honest. I just lied about this. It's a bad habit. of a something. And, you know, go on about my way. uh, I let pride get a little bit bigger and embarrassment get a little bit bigger. And um, a little bit of fear, too. Because what if in that moment I would have said, hey, I lied to you. And then they would have said, oh, I have a little less trust in you now. Like, I don't want to lose their trust. So maybe they should trust me a little less since I lied to them. But I lied this week. And so not good. And Paul's saying that's how you used to have to live. And so I'm studying this word and I'm coming here today to teach and wrestle with it with you. And here like, Jesus is like, remember this, remember this, remember this, but he's not saying it so that I feel like this guilt and shame. He's saying it because like, Hey, you know, better, we can be better. You used to have to lie to be accepted. You don't have to do that anymore. You used to have to get angry and rage to like show your power and control. You don't have to do that anymore. To gain significance, you used to have to be greedy and hoard things and feed desires in a way that, that God is not God's best for you, and you don't have to do that anymore because you used to operate in the ways of the world, and you don't have to do that anymore. And the beautiful thing about Paul is when he says you don't have to do that anymore, he then tells us how, and it's in verse 10. He says, by growing in your knowledge of your creator. If you think upon this week and you think about maybe a missed opportunity where you had to follow Jesus and and you just, you either didn't, you refused to, or like after the fact you were like, oh, I could have and I didn't. If you follow Jesus long enough, that's why I say we know. We know. And Paul says, put it to death. Because those moments, those missed opportunities, those following earthly inclinations, those can't ultimately coexist with a Holy Spirit and a Holy God. Like eventually Jesus will root that out or will refuse his rooting out. And he'll say, okay, then are you really following me? They can't coexist, which is a good thing, right? Because Paul's about to go into this, but you could otherwise clothe yourselves in this. And that's the good stuff. So I'm getting there. But in the meantime, you need to remember that these things need to be put to death because they're not good for us. And if we don't know, Verse 10 says, then grow in a knowledge of God and learn and grow in a relationship with Jesus and listen. And if we know and we don't care, I'm going to say that's still a trust thing with you and Jesus, where you're still growing and he's still walking with you and me. Liar. When we say yes to Jesus, we become a new creation, right? Immediately. We are a new creation. We have his Holy Spirit inside of us, but it's a process. In verse 10, it says we are being renewed, where it's a process. We first learn as new creations to crawl and then we walk and then we run. So Jesus is with us through that. You know, when I'm following Jesus best and I'm like farthest from wanting to sin, when I'm just deeply immersed in God, Whether that's I'm reading my Bible or I'm in worship with you or like, I don't really want to sin right now. I'm in front of all of you people, right? Or I'm in relationships or community that show me that God is love and Jesus is central. Like, I don't want to sin in those moments. Like, it's furthest from my mind. So on this path to holiness, Paul says, first and foremost, set our minds and set our hearts on the things of heaven, not of earth. And then of those things of earth, point two, put them to death and then he reminds us why, and this is the good stuff. All right, let's look at verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive them as the Lord forgave you. Look at just those words in verse 12. We get to do and be these things. That's the beauty of the holiness of God. We get access to, when we follow Jesus, the most compassionate, the most humble, the most peaceful, the most gentle, the most forgiving, the most patient being who has ever existed. And there's an abundance. It just overflows from him. He can't help but be these things. And when we're becoming like him, we can't help but bask in it if we embrace it. Scripture like this often can be used against a lot of people. And it can be used as one of those do and don't lists, right? Don't do this, but do this. Don't do this, but do this, right? But when it's seen in the light of the knowledge of Jesus, it becomes light in the midst of darkness. I believe it becomes hope in the midst of despair and possibility when things seem impossible. Because think about it, if I have an anger problem that can't coexist in the long term with a following of Jesus, and as I go deeper, his spirit is going to make me new. I have lustful desires. Those can't coexist with Jesus because What was impossible to overcome is now possible as I dwell in the knowledge of him and his goodness. And let's not miss what Paul says before he gets into all that. Look at verse 12. Paul reminds the people of this church that they were three things. They were chosen, they were holy, and they were dearly loved. We are chosen. God's not stuck with us. He's not like, oh, well, okay, I guess there, you can be my daughter, <laughs> you know? He chose us. We are holy, we are set apart and created for a different kind of way. And we're dearly loved no matter what. It's the beauty of the gospel message. If you listen to any Brene Brown, do you know what happens when a person is chosen to be fully known and deeply loved? When they are saved safe to be completely who they are. All that stuff of the world, all that earthly stuff, they can put to death. Because when we're in those relationships and in those spaces and in in that community with God, we get to go to those very rare, safe, sacred, worship-filled places where we can just be ourselves no matter what. Our old self stuff pops up, we're loved no matter what. And the earthly stuff isn't able to thrive. It's just not able to even survive. How great is that? That's what it means to be possible in the face of impossible. Because when that stuff isn't able to survive, and we're chosen and holy and dearly loved, that's all Jesus. And when you get a little bit of Jesus, you just want more Jesus. It gave the people of that time, just like it gives us, this incredible freedom. To live without fear and to live with a lot of Jesus. Verse 3 says our lives are now hidden with Christ and verse 12 says which means we get to clothe ourselves in all things Jesus. We get to. I don't know where y'all are all this week but maybe there's a piece of Jesus you need to put back on that you haven't worn in a long time. This is a very convicting conversation with Jesus and I for me. There are people in my life who I struggle to show compassion to. I lose my patience with. I get aggravated with. If anyone's an Enneagram nerd, I kind of am. Um, I'm a type one, thank you, with a two wing, thank you. Um, and so my default mechanism when things aren't going my way is self blame and anger. So that's cool. Thanks, Colossians 3. But Jesus roots that out and he says, that's not you. That's a piece of your old self that we're working on not being your default reaction. Paul finishes up this part of the letter um, talking less at an individual level and more at a church level. So let's look at verse 14. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So we set our hearts and minds on things above, we put to death the things of the world. And then we remember who we get to be in Jesus. And then together, think about this. If you've got a bunch of individuals living in life that way, and then they all get together, we look different. Someone say we might look weird. But we become a church who loves differently. We become a unified force. Look at that in verse 14, the word unity. We become a unified force of love. We get to be a place and a people that exists for peace. How many people in your life live in chaos or uncertainty or terror or just plain mess? And when they come into your presence or your home or spaces that you share together, they go, this was just good for my heart to be near you. That is Jesus shining through us because we get to be a people of peace. And then we get to be thankful. That bigger picture that Paul says, hey, put your minds and hearts on this. When we look through that lens, gosh, we get to the ends of our days or the beginnings of our days where we're breathing still and we say, I just get to be thankful in this because we have a different perspective. It's a different perspective that's set apart and holy. It doesn't say we're perfect or without error. It doesn't say we're not still in process. But it does say We follow the one who knows all things and sees all things and is love. I'm going to invite the band back up. Um, I don't know where each person is at this week. I don't know uh, where you need to ask questions of God and where you're wrestling with God or where you're just desperately in love with God. Um, But I love this space because we can share that with the people around us. If you're not in a small group, gosh, I would highly encourage you to check one of those out because that's a space where you can say, here's been my crap week, and I don't know what God's up to, or here's been my great week, and I don't know what God's up to. Um, But when we join together in this love and in this unity, we're on a path towards holiness together, and that's a pretty incredible thing because the world needs different. The world needs set apart. I think the world needs a holy Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, you're too good to us. You really are. You call out some really tough stuff that we don't even want to acknowledge exists in our lives, and then you say, I'm going to replace it with all the best stuff, all the good stuff. I'm going to come into your life and help you leave the pile of mess and chaos and walk in a newness, a freshness, a freedom that you can't find anywhere else. Lord, we thank you for those gifts this day and just for the gift of who you are, Lord, that you're willing to sit with us and wrestle with us and have patience with us and that you love us in the best, biggest, most holy ways. Pray that you would guide us this week, that we can walk closely to you, that you would place that lens of kingdom, that lens of holy over our eyes so that our hearts and minds can dwell and think on nothing but you how you see the world, how you see people, how you approach finances, how you do all that you do to bring glory and honor to your Father. We ask that we might do the same, God. For it's in your name we pray.